Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Basement Sports Podcast. Special edition of the Basement Sports Podcast. Scott Startari is joining me in as a special guest. We are honored to have Jordan Klein, host of the Panthers Presence Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at at Pitt underscore presence. That's at Pitt underscore presence. And Jordan, welcome to the Basement Sports Podcast. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's great to have you, man. I, I, I really wanted to get into a show, and we're going to talk about some pit football and pit basketball recruiting and what these programs are trying to build. Um, uh, Scott and I are kind of the pit side of the uh, Basement Sports Podcast. The two Waynes, or I should say Wayne and Duty, are more of the Penn State side. So we try to strike a balance here, but guess what? This is our turn today. Uh, to talk a little bit about uh, pit athletics, so let's dive right in, and I want to I want to start off with the the pit football 2020 recruiting class. Their player commits, uh, and and the players that they have coming in for this year. What stands out to you about this class, and if it was a significant step up for Coach Narduzzi and his staff? Yeah, well, this, this 2020 class is definitely a significant step up for Coach Narduzzi and just the level of the talent of the players that he's recruiting. And the one thing that really stands out to me in this class is just the speed and athleticism of, of all these guys. Um, you got guys with ACC-level athleticism and speed, and that starts at the skill positions. At the wide receiver position was probably a position that Pitt focused on a lot in the past recruiting class. I mean, you've got three guys. You've got starting with Jordan Addison wide receiver from Maryland, just super great speed, good hands. He might have a chance to contribute this year. You've got Jalen Barden from Georgia, also might have a chance to see the field early as a true freshman. He'll be a very good piece down the road. Pretty good size at six foot 175. Um, and then there's Aiden Henningham, the third wide receiver in this class from Florida. He might see some time at the, on the defensive side of the ball at defensive back, but I think he'll end up on offense. And starting with those wide receivers along in the whole class, it just shows you the speed, the level of the athleticism of the guys that Narduzzi is recruiting. Tell me a little bit about Israel uh, uh, Abanakanda from, uh, uh, from Brooklyn, New York, the running back they have coming in. There was a lot of buzz that I heard about him and possible even this year contributions to the backfield. Yeah, well, staying on that same note of speed, he's just another example of the, the quality of the athleticism of the guys that Pat Narduzzi is recruiting. Uh, Izzy's running back from Brooklyn, really good speed, um, elusive, pretty good size. He's not the biggest stack. He's not a big, he's not a bruiser. He's uh, 5'11", around 200 pounds. He's not your bruiser type back like a James Conner, Quadri Olsen. He's more of a shifty speed back like a Ray Graham or Deion Lewis or LaShawn McCoy. He's also a very good pass catcher. He'll be a very good asset catching passes out of the backfield, which is something that we've seen in Mark Wobble's offense. Uh, this past season, A.J. Davis, Malik Carter, they did some great things out of the backfield in the passing game, and I expect Izzy to do similar things. Um, he should have a chance to, to contribute to this offense right away. I mean, the running game last year for Pitt, it left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Um, A.J. Davis, a guy – very average he did he basically he did what the offensive line gave him he didn't do great things wasn't terrible either um Vincent Davis showed some flashes but I don't know just his size he's so small and I don't know if he'll be an every down back in the ACC 
Uh, Todd Sibley did some nice things. Didn't show you that much, though. He struggled, with, he struggled with some injuries throughout his career. But I think Izzy will end up being the guy this season. I mean, he's got great speed, good pass catcher. can really do it all as a running back. And he's the home run hitter type back that Pitt has been lacking for a long time. And the staff thinks very highly of him. And he'll have a chance to contribute to this offense right away. Scott? Yeah, I want to talk about that speed piece, um, George, particularly on offense. And and the reason I say that is it's encouraging when I look at where these kids are coming from in 21 and 20 and 21. Places like Fort Lauderdale, right, Georgia, they're kind of stepping out a little bit into the Virginia area. There are a lot of quality skilled kids down that particular area down there. What does Pitt need to do to attract that level of athlete? To the program and because on I think it's easier to recruit defense right you recruit big strong kids that can run and you put them in a scheme on offense you're talking about backs that got great vision you're talking about receivers that get in and out of cuts and things like that you've got linemen that have to understand defensive schemes what does Pitt need to do to attract that skill that fast skilled kid from areas they may haven't reached to in recruiting well, Scott, that's a really good question, and I think it starts with your coaching staff. Um, Pat Narduzzi, he's upgraded his coaching staff a lot in recent years, and it's showing in the quality of, of the recruits he's bringing in. I mean, your headliner is Chris Beatty, wide receivers coach, his first season this past year from came over from Maryland, and he's been a huge impact on the recruiting trail, recruiting the DMV, Virginia area. I mean, look at all the commits Pitt brought in in the 2020 and 2021 recruiting class from that DMV area. I mean, you have a lot of guys, a lot of good skills guys. You've got a wide receiver, uh, Jordan Addison from Maryland. BD was involved in that recruitment. Um, Some other guys from that Virginia DMV area, some guys in 2021, Miles Alston, a very solid receiver. And he, him, along with Charlie Partridge, your Florida recruiter, He's been involved in bringing in some great talent from that Florida area. Aiden Hanningham, as I mentioned, he's bringing in some other guys from the state of Florida. And the third guy who's really done a great job down south, and you were talking about those Virginia, Georgia, Florida, is Archie Collins, the one of the secondary coaches. He was brought in. He flies a little under the radar on the recruiting trail. Um, guys like Beatty and Partridge get most of the press, but Collins has done a great job in that Georgia area. He was involved in a lot in the recruitment of Jalen Barden. And with those three guys, you got you got states covered like Florida, like Georgia, like the DMV area. And that's where a lot of those talented skill guys come from. And the reason Pat Narduzzi is able to attract those guys is just because of the upgrades to his staff that he's made in recent years. Thank you. No, thanks. So, but before I get into a couple more players that I, I see on this uh, on the twenty, uh, the twenty twenty class coming in, um, I, I just want to get to this point. I had it on my list, but I, w- I want to get to it right now. Uh, now, it's, you know, Scott brought this up over the past number of years. You know, and I, I never know how hard to look at some of these recruiting services and two star, three star, four star, five star. You know, and and then I look at a guy like Aaron Donald. I think he was a two or three star recruit, you know, coming out of high school and look at him now, you know, so Pitt was always in this situation where 
they had to find those diamonds in the rough, right? They had to find those kids that they could bring in and they could develop and turn them into superstars. And and what I'm what I used to see in the past was, okay, Pitt got this particular player, and who did who was also recruiting that player? Uh, Toledo, Akron, Eastern Michigan. You were seeing like a lot of these Mac schools. Pitt were beating them out. But you know what I'm starting to see now? Pitt's beating out Virginia. They're beating out Penn State on a couple of kids. They're beating out, you know, some some bigger schools. Now I'll say this, yeah, I've I've said I've seen on Twitter somebody say, well, Pitt beat out Penn State for somebody, and then Penn State people come back and say, well, we never really went after him. We really didn't want him. Or if we beat out like a North Carolina. North Carolina fans will say the same thing. So you never know where the truth lies. But are, are you seeing that as well, where, where, where Pitt's going after some of these bigger kids and challenging some of the, the big players in college football? Oh, yeah, 100%, most definitely. I mean, to just compete in the ACC, you have to go after those guys. I mean, this, this isn't the Paul Christ era anymore. Pat Narduzzi, he wants to win here, and he knows – that if he wants to win here, he's going to have to bring in very quality talent. And that's what he's doing. He's going out, he's expanding the recruiting territory. Uh, he's expanding it to Georgia, the DMV area, Florida, Texas. And he's getting guys and he's not just competing against max schools anymore. He's competing against the power five schools. He's competing against, for example, Maryland, Virginia, Virginia tech, just a few examples of schools Pitt's gotten recruits over in the past and in these 2020 and 21 classes. And really just, that's what it takes to recruit high at a high level in the ACC. So you can win in the ACC and his first partner Juzzi's first few years, they weren't recruiting as quality of talent, but with the improvements he's made to his coaching staff, he's really stepping up the recruit on the recruiting trail. And I mean, he, he had to, and he knew that. So he went out there, he got Chris Beatty, he got Charlie Partridge, he got Archie Collins, he got Corey Sanders, four guys who have been, the, in my opinion, the four best recruiters on this coaching staff. And I mean, that's what it takes to win in the ACC. And Pat Narduzzi's committed to doing that. So he knows he's going to have to go compete with some of these schools for recruits, not just the Toledos and the Akron's of the world. Right. Yeah, yeah, Jordan, I think it's a good point. Um, well, I, I have my opinion on this, but I don't want to voice it first. I want to get yours. Uh, uh, one of the things that really bothers people from Pittsburgh and Pitt, Pitt, Pitt alumni and things like that is, where are the fans? What, what, what has to happen to this program for people to want to come down and watch compelling football on a Saturday afternoon in a, in, in a beautiful stadium. What has to happen? I mean, there's really one thing that cures all, which is winning. I mean, people say there are ways to increase the fan support, increase the attendance. People mention an on-campus stadium. I mean, that would help. But, I mean, winning winning cures all in the way. If you want to put butts in the stands, you've got to win first. And, I mean, we've seen it. When Pat Narduzzi, he, he's had chances to turn the corner and really put this team in the top 25 and on a national relevant scale, but he hasn't been able to do that. And, I mean, the answer to your question is to win. I mean, people want to go see a winning team, yeah. a team that's in the top 25 every almost every year, a team that's relevant nationally. And the level that Pitt's playing, they haven't been able to turn that corner and get into the top 25 consistently. People aren't going to go to the games. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I think it's a great point, and, and I want to cap, talk about that for one second. I, I, hey, 
hats off to Coach Narduzzi for seeing something that needed to be corrected, right? We talked earlier, I think he's a tremendous defensive coordinator. I think he can truly recruit defensive players, and he can scheme. He can scheme with the best of them. Go ask Clemson a couple of years ago when he went down there and beat those guys. So, so my, my thing is, you got to score points. You can only you can only watch so many nine three ball games, right? And I think to your point, for him bringing these folks in here to help recruit that athlete um, at the next level, athlete is really really important to be able to do that. You got to score points, right? In order to win, you got to score points. Yeah, that's re- that's really important. And just, I mean, with Mark Whipple too. I mean, no one wanted to watch Sean Watson's uh, Stone Age offense. No offense to him. I mean, they scored points sometimes. But, I mean, you needed a more creative offensive mind in there, and I think Mark Whipple is the guy for that for that position. And that was a, that was a, a, that was something that needed to be addressed, and he addressed it. As we've seen, he's addressing his coaching staff. He's been improving his coaching staff every year, and he did that once again by uh, the addition of Mark Whipple. Is the consistency this year from last year going to help this? Pay- I mean, coaching staff is the coaching staff. You know, this will be – what uh, Kenny Pickett's second year in a row, uh, you know, under this under the scheme, uh, are we? You know, I know we're looking for improvement. Got to see improvement in the in the running game. Uh, this offensive line being together one more year is certainly going to help, and with the speed coming in the backfield. But um, kind of you know, kind of staying along this line, what are your expectations, just from a scheme standpoint and an execution standpoint with this offense going into this year? Um, I liked a lot of the things I saw from Mark Whipple last year. I mean, he's a creative guy, good, good creative offensive coordinator. But the problem was really for Pitt's offense was in the red zone. I mean, I don't have stats in front of me right now, but I can tell you Pitt's offense before they got to the 20-yard line was pretty damn good. I mean, Kenny Pickett, he wasn't a great quarterback by any means, but he could get the job done. He put up pretty good numbers last year. But once they got into the red zone, man, that offense would just stall, and they never had any answers in the red zone. And I think – Two additions that are going to help with that are the additions of Izzy Abinakanda. I hope I'm pronouncing that one right. And Lucas Kroll. I mean, those are two guys who in the red zone, Izzy, good speed, good pass catcher out of the backfield. And Lucas Kroll, the big tight end, video game, almost like a video game player at 6'6", 255. Really good speed. And those two guys should really help Pitt's offense in the place where it needs the most help, which is the red zone. You know, Jordan, I think it's a good point. So Greg and I disagree on this. Okay, we we on the, on the last podcast we had a robust discussion on this, um, and he's thinking Pitt comes in. And I'm I'm not looking for a prediction out of you. The question I have, Greg believes that Pitt's looking at a nine-win season coming up. You know, ho- hopefully, you know, fingers crossed they play the season. I, I I'm looking at the same schedule and seeing a six-win season. I'm not looking for a prediction from you. What I am asking you for is what has to happen for Pitt to have a winning year, meaning how many wins do they need for this to be considered winning? I personally think you've got to win eight or nine games at least this year. I mean, this year, year six in Pat Narduzzi, you've got the same coaching staff from last year, got almost all the same guys returning, and – this year is really the year for Pat Narduzzi to see if he can really get the job done. I mean, got most of that defense returning from last year. You get Demar Hamlin back, getting a waiver for a fifth year from the NCAA, which is huge for that defensive backfield. 
you've got almost your whole offensive line back. You've got a third-year starter, a quarterback, a veteran, a tough guy in his second year under Mark Whipple. Um, you've got most of your receivers back. You've got an addition to Lucas Kroll at tight end. And, I mean, we don't win at least eight or nine games this year. I don't know if Pat Narduzzi will be here for the long-haul pit, especially considering how much he's losing in terms of talent after this year. Yeah, I, I, and one of the things I noticed about Narduzzi is it's like I think if you look at it in pieces, Narduzzi has definitely gotten the defense he wants. Like he's this defense last year reminded me a lot of the defenses he had at Michigan State. Yeah, they were like just, you know, getting after the quarterback, really, really tough defense, hard to move the ball against. But looking at a couple of I want to I want to focus on a couple of transfers that come in from 2020. So we've already brought up the name Lucas Crawl. And I was watching some film of this kid practice. Man, like he's got the total package. He's big and he's got some speed. And you got to admit, we did not have that threat down the seam at all. Not just within the 20, not just inside the 20, that person you could go to. But what does Lucas Kroll do for this offense, even lined up at their own 40? In a, you know, and being able to pass on first down and somebody's got to guard this guy or cover this guy going down the middle. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like you said, I mean, Pitt, they've lacked that deep threat at tight end for so long. And I think Lucas Kroll, he's a huge addition in that in that regiment. Um, he's a huge guy. I mean, good size, very good speed. And, I mean, he's just a matchup problem. Wherever he is on the field, whatever he's going to do, he's tough to match up with. It's hard to put a linebacker or safety on him. He's so big and he's so fast, and he hasn't really produced that much at Florida in terms of statistics. Uh, he was behind Kyle Pitts, who's, in my opinion, the best tight end in the country. But, I mean, he's a huge – it's a huge addition to this offense, and it has it adds a whole other dimension and another guy for Mark Whipple to get creative with, getting involved in the passing game, and he's a huge deep threat. And teams are going to have to watch out for him because with that combination of size and speed, he can make opposing defenses pay. Hey, I, I got I got a uh, I got a question for for uh, Coach Klein. Okay, so <laughs> hats ha, ha, off to Coach Collins, who's who's really job in the Georgia Florida area. You know, Florida is a completely different animal than it used to be. What I mean by that is, you had Florida State, Florida, you had Miami, some of the bigger schools. Now you got USF, you got UCF, you got Florida Atlantic. You have a lot of schools to compete for that skilled player down there now. What does Coach Klein say if he's in Coach Collins' shoes and he's talking to that athlete in Florida? Why come north? Well, I mean, Charlie Partridge is really the guy who's dominating the Florida for Pitt. Um, and, I mean, one thing you could say is you're coming into the ACC to play at the highest level in the Pitt staff. They've shown the ability because a lot of the guys tend to recruit in candidly. They're not going after the four- and five-star guys in Florida the Florida States and Miami's are going after. Right. They're competing more with the lower tier guys that Miami's going after. And then the guys who maybe UCF is going after or who some surrounding power five schools are going after. And one thing you could say is really one thing Pat Narduzzi can really hang his hat on and the staff and their ability to develop talent guys who maybe weren't four and five star recruits who come out to be very good players. Um, Just for some examples, a guy like Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones, two of the best defensive ends in the ACC this year, Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver. They'll probably both be top three-round draft picks. Definitely Jones. Weaver will also get drafted. 
And they were both two-star recruits uh, continuing on that defense. Damari Mathis was a three-star recruit. He was one of the best DBs in the ACC last year. Same with Dane Jackson, who was a two-star recruit. Jason Pinnock, a very solid corner for Pitt. He, he had only one other Power 5 offer, which was Boston College. Uh, moving the offensive side of the ball, Jimmy Morrissey, former walk-on. Maurice French, two-star recruit. You've got so many guys who really weren't that highly recruited or really didn't have that many quality offers who've been huge contributors for Pitt. And I think that's something the Pitt staff can really sell, which is their ability to develop guys who weren't as highly rated into very good players in the ACC. I got a, I got another transfer question here uh, for you, Jordan. Uh, I was really intrigued with the Panthers getting Joey Yellen out of Arizona State. Um, now granted, Kenny Pickett's a starting quarterback this year, but, um, what, how are you, how are, what did you think when they were able to pluck Yellen? And also, you know, what does that say about the other quarterbacks on the staff, like, uh, uh, Davis Bevel and, um, and others, you know, where, where does this put like, uh, where do all these guys stack? Well, first of all, I think Bevel's a really solid pickup who most likely have to sit out this year unless he gets a waiver, but Kenny Pickett, like you said, Kenny Pickett is a starting quarterback. But Yellen's a really solid pickup to compete for that quarterback job in uh, 2021 along alongside uh, Davis Deville and Nick Patty. And I think he's a solid pickup, good arm, good athleticism. He'll have a year to learn the offense and practice this year. So that gives him some added experience. Um, and I think – I don't think it says that much about the other quarterbacks, but I think it says more about how the landscape of college football is changing with the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the transfer portal is a huge asset. Pat and Arduzzi and his staff are continuing to utilize it. And, I mean, Yellen was, was a solid pickup. He can, and you can never have too many quarterbacks, honestly. Right. The more quarterbacks you have competing for the job, the better. I mean, he's a talented kid. And, I mean, they were looking for someone else to compete with Bevel and Patty in 2021. And I think they like Yellen as well. They like Bevel a lot. Very solid upside. And they also like Patty, who we saw in some limited – limited action this year. So I think it just says more about the changing landscape of college football than it is an indication on what the staff thinks about the quarterbacks they have now. You know, Jordan, Jordan, you and I are in agreement. I mean, I think, I think that, that if I'm that young athlete and, you know, and and I'm that, you know, two-star recruit, I mean, I'm, I'm marketing Mark, uh, coach Whipple. I mean, I, I'm marketing coach Whipple and I think Pitt had the most, passing attention to the ACC last year. I didn't run the ball real well. I understand that. If I'm a, if I'm a skilled kid coming out, I want to see a proven pro coach who possibly couldn't get me to the next level at the NFL. And I think if they, they market Coach Whipple along with that, that can go a long way. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, when you had Sean Watson, at, you had in the past, before Sean Watson, you had some very good offensive coordinators. Um, Jim Chaney, first year, Matt Canada did wonders in 2016 with that offense. And I mean, the Sean Watson offense, you turn it on on TV, it's not very marketable, honestly. It's very, very boring. A lot of just running, power running. And to a guy like the guy, like the quality of the guys that Pitt has been recruiting, the guys like the Jordan Addison, the Jalen Barden, the Izzy Abacanda, that's not very marketable to those guys. They want to play an offense that's going to prepare them for the next level. And the Mark Ripple offense, it has some pro has some pro elements. It's a lot more exciting, a lot more fun to play in than that Sean Watson offense. And I think the Mark Ripple, it's a, it's a very good selling point on the recruiting trail. And what I like about Mark Whipple, what I like about his philosophies is he 
He understands that you can run the foot. You can pass the ball to set up the run. I mean, Pittsburgh is a time when it gets real cold in November. It's a little sloppy down there on Heinz Field. We know what that looks like. However, if you've got a deep threat, you can't commit that safety, right? You can't bring that linebacker over, that safety over. You've got to leave him back in coverage. And I think you can really run the football better that way if you run setting up off the pass. And I think that's what Coach Whipple does. Yeah, he's very he, he's willing to adapt based on his talent and based on his opposition. And, I mean, he's really just willing to do whatever it takes. Last year, they didn't have a great running game. The offensive line was very good in uh, run support. So they he knew he was going to have to pass the ball a little bit more. And I think this year with the, the returning offensive line, he should improve in the run support. With the addition of Izzy, he, should, he probably wants to run the ball a little bit more and utilize Izzy in the running game because – he knows he's a talented running back, more talented, more talent at the running back position this year. Um, just wrap, wrapping up 2020. Um, so they were, you know, Scott and I had a, a little bit of a disagreement as far as the number of wins. I agree with you. You got to, I, I, I want to see them have an eight or nine win season. I want to see them crack the top 25 and stay there. Um, where I see that ninth win is I see them beating Notre Dame at home. And when I, when I mentioned that during the podcast, the last one, I, I got some, I got some strange looks, but I think, you know, Pitt has a history against Notre Dame and I know this, you know, it's college football. These aren't the same guys, but Pitt has a good habit of beating Notre Dame, not only in South Bend, but also in Pittsburgh. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that game and, uh, and sending all those Notre Dame fans that are going to be in Heinz field, sending them home disappointed. So that's just yeah. That, that would be a good. That would be a very solid win for uh for Pitt and Pat Narduzzi. That would be that would probably be one of those turn the corner wins that I was yep. talking about earlier. A win that would put you into the top twenty five consistently, and that's what Pat Narduzzi needs to see. And you know what? I'm not saying they're going to go into Florida State and beat the Seminoles. I'm not saying they're going to be able to go to in, into Miami and beat the Hurricanes. But you can with that defense and with an improved offense. You can compete and you might lose a three point game or whatever. And sometimes that's, you can walk away with a loss, but it was a great competitive game. I, I look at the game last year against Penn state 17 to 10. I mean, Pitt had their chances Pitt, you know, misses a field goal where they had first and goal at the one, you know, and, and uh, you know, you see, you see Pitt play games like that. And then you see them lose at home to a horrible Miami team. You see them lose at home to an average Boston college team. And though that is what really, really frustrates Pitt fans when they see that. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, I had Dorn Dickerson on the podcast a few weeks ago. He said the same thing. I mean, you can't, you, those are games. If you want to be a winning program that you just can't lose, you have to win the games you're supposed to win like Miami at home, like Boston college at home. And, I mean, if you can't win those games, you're not going to be able to get into the top 25 and be a consistent program, a consistent winning program, and compete for coastal championships every year, which is what Pat Narduzzi wants to do. I mean, those are the games you have to win, the Boston College at home, the Miami at home. And this year, Pat Narduzzi, those are the, those are the more important games to win. You have to win those games or you can go beat Notre Dame. Yep. Go ahead, Scott. Those are those and here's how you do wins. that. Yeah. And, and, and here's, here's how you do that, in my opinion. You go out and you punch these teams in the mouth. That, that's what you have to do with that defense. You punch them in the mouth and you take the ball away. You know, if, if, if Pitt's 
offense is better, that's great. They're not going to light it up. They're not going to light it up this year. They may play better, but their win total increases dramatically if you take the ball away because they're not going to give the ball up a lot, Pitt. They're not going to do that. They're not going to play risk. They're going to be risk-averse. But if you go down to those schools and you show how they do it up north and you punch them in the mouth, that's how they approach nine wins, Greg. Okay. Let's let's stay with Pitt football, but let's take just a quick peek at uh, the 2021 uh, commits. And granted, you know, things can change with this 2021 class, but the thing I kept on seeing, Jordan, Pitt was in the top 20, top 25 in the nation as far as this recruiting class was concerned so far. So, again, maybe even a step up from 2020 into 2021. What are your thoughts? Yeah, with this 2020 class, it's a really solid class so far. You've got 12 commits already. And the one position Pitt's been focusing on the most is that offensive line. Um, you They didn't take that many offensive linemen last year. And they knew they were going to have to take a lot. They already have four offensive linemen committed. I would think they would add maybe one more or be done with offensive line. And you've got some really solid commits. You've got the pair of kids from Detroit in uh, – you've got Brandon Honorable and Terrence Enos, the Detroit guys. You've got uh, Marco Fugar from Fort Lauderdale. And you have Terrence Rankle from Ohio. That was really the cornerstone of this class was getting those bodies in to compete on the offensive line in a few years. And you've got you've got some other talented guys. You've got the two wide receivers. You've got Miles Alston and Jalen Bradley, both in the area recruited by Chris Beatty. Uh, Bradley, very good size, uh, 6'4", 190. Reminds me a lot of a guy, Jared Wayne, who, Pitt had, who was a true freshman for Pitt this past year. Miles Alston is another solid prospect from Virginia Beach. Um, sticking on the sticking with Virginia, you've got a running back commit and Rodney Hammond committed this past fall. Bit of a surprise commitment. Fans weren't weren't really ready for that one. But this is a kid, I think he's underrated. He's only ranked a three star, but if there's a high school football season this year, I would expect to see that rating go up. He reminds me a lot, honestly, of Abinakanda. Um, good speed, good pass catcher. And those are the types of running backs that Mark Wilbur wants are guys with good speed and that can catch out of the backfield. And that's really his philosophy at the running back position. And then moving to defense, the top graded recruit of the class, local kid, the key Johnson, four star by most of the recruiting services with the first commit of the 2021 class, really solid guy. Once again, at defensive end, which Pat Narduzzi and his staff have done a great job recruiting that position. And I mean, you've got your, this class is going to continue to grow. I mean, they're in contention for some very quality guys. Ellie Donald is one that is committing this summer, the nephew of Aaron Donald. Uh, I mean, his recruitment's been all over the internet. A lot of people are excited for that one, and it's a very, it's a very solid class so far. One of the things that, that when I looked at the website, looking at those commits, I looked at the breakdown by state, and we'll go. We we talked about this with the 2020 class, so here it is: two out of Pennsylvania. But here's the other states that Pitt got commits out of. Virginia, Michigan, Florida, Georgia, Maryland, Ohio, Texas. That's unheard of in a, a, lot of, a lot of years with Pitt football. And it goes to what we were talking about before, Pitt kind of expanding that reach. One of the things I've always said about college athletes, 
there's two words in that college athlete. The most important one is athlete. I mean, college is important, but I'm just saying for, for a guy coming in and playing football, coaches want athletes. Okay. Coaches want athletes. They want, they can coach them. They can come in and they can coach a lot of the positions, but you get a guy who comes in and they show the signs on tape that they are an athlete. You know, you could have a five-star kid who's a, a, at whatever position, but you know, maybe you have a three-star kid at the same position, but in a tough game late in the fourth quarter, they're not bent over at the waist sucking wind, you know, trying to hold off a last minute drive by their opponent. You know, they're still, they're, their motor's still going. So what I'm seeing here with the size and the, the tape on some of these kids, they are really grabbing some quality athletes out of this group. Yeah, that's, that's really important. And that just shows to the territory, like you said, it's expanding their recruiting territory into Virginia, into Georgia, into Florida, into Texas. And with that, they're getting more quality athletes. I mean, you've got in this 2021 class, at least you've got Miles Alston and Rodney Hammond out of Virginia. You've got um, Preston Levant out of Georgia, a very solid athlete at the linebacker spot. You've got Trevion Stevenson also from Virginia. He's listed as a linebacker on some recruiting sites. Hope he's expected to grow into, def- into a defensive end. That's another really solid athlete that pits recruiting. And to compete in the ACC, Pat Narduzzi knows you've got to recruit guys who you've got to recruit athletes. And that's what he's doing. Go ahead, Scott. I got to tell you, it's, it's nothing but impressive looking where these kids are coming from. And, and Bradley could be, Bradley might be the best of the bunch down there, the kid, the kid out of. Uh, Maryland and DeMatha, you got to give it to them because something we talked about, Jordan, was the fact that these, that the Penn State has owned that area for 25, 30 years. They've just owned it, that whole corridor down there. You know, guys back from, from Kurt Warner to, 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 to Blair Thomas, I mean, they all come from that area. The fact that Pitt can now go down there and maybe not get the four star kid yet, maybe not get that kid, but to get the three star kid, I think it's. I just think it's impressive uh, that Narduzzi hired correctly to, to, to hire people to kind of recruit that kid in here. If, if not, then you don't get people in the stands. That's simple as that. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like they're beating out Max schools for these for these guys. I mean, these guys they all have right. daytime offers. Yep, exactly. So with the pit football with, with the pit football season, we we don't know what's going to happen this year. We really really don't know. Hopefully there's going to be football. Maybe there'll be football with no fans. Maybe there'll be football with 50% capacity. We're not sure. But, you know, just from your aspect, not only for this year, Jordan, but moving forward, how excited are you about this program overall and the steps that Narduzzi has taken and the quality of the recruits that he's getting in? Well, I'm very excited about the future of this program. And, I mean, it speaks to the quality of the of the recruits that Pat, that Pat Narduzzi is bringing in. I mean, 2020 class, in my opinion, was his best class in his career at Pitt. The 2021 class is shaping up to be just as good, if not better, than that 2021 class. And, I mean, for more recent, this year, you've got a very solid defense returning. Um, Harris Ford is, in my opinion, the best safety in college football. Uh, very, very guy, guy who's very fun to watch. Uh, Demar Hamlin, his partner in crime, also very good. And that deep, and then that defensive front, Patrick Jones, Jalen Twyman will both be top two, both projected to be top two round picks this year. 
And then you've got the return of Rashad Weaver and Keyshawn Camp back from injury. Both guys were very, very good players before they got hurt. They were both primed to have huge seasons this year. And then in the middle of that defense at linebacker, you've got the returns of Cam Bright, Bill Campbell. I mean, probably Chase Pine going to step up in the middle. And that defense is really where it starts. That defense is so fun to watch. Just the energy that those guys play with. Uh, the guys, guys like Paris Ford, guys like Patrick Jones. I mean, th- those guys have fun on the field, and it's great to watch. And it's from just a fan's perspective, that defense is it's pretty fun to watch. Well, let's let's wrap. We'll wrap up football, and let's go and talk some hoops because um, I want to I want to start talking about the uh, Jeff Capel's Pitt Panthers here and some players that he has coming in. Um, I'll I'll tell you a little story here, Jordan, I'm, and I'm not going to mention the name of the local uh, Pittsburgh um, uh, sports writer, but I got into a debate online with this sports writer um, about Pitt basketball during the waning days of the Jamie Dixon era. And the opinion of this writer was, be, just be satisfied with making the tournament most years, getting an occasional Sweet 16, and just be happy with that. Because that's all you're going to get with pit basketball. I pushed back and I said, well, well, why play the game? Why be in the ACC if, if we're, you know, that Pitt as alumni and as fans, we're just going to be satisfied with that. Okay, we make the tournament. You know, I'm sorry, Pitt is not Duquesne. Okay, you shouldn't be happy with just making the tournament. All right? You, you, you want to win. I want to see a Final Four. I want to see a national championship game. We sacrificed Pitt Stadium at the altar of the basketball program, putting up the Peterson Event Center, which is a gorgeous facility. Don't get me wrong. Most, one of the most beautiful basketball facilities in the country. Don't tell me to be satisfied with possibly making the NCAA tournament. Jeff Capel, I, I think Jeff Capel was a brilliant hire. It was a great hire. And I, I like what he's done so far. Now, with the guys that he has coming in with this 2020 class, what are you seeing as far as the progression with the basketball program under Coach Capel? Um, I mean, this 2020 class, it's a very solid class. Um, sticking, sticking with the football topic, it's really guys, you're bringing ACC size and ACC athleticism. Um, the cornerstone of this class, a guy they've been recruiting for a long time out of, uh, I believe, Akron, Ohio, John Hughley, four-star, top 100 recruit. Had a huge senior season this past year, 24 points, 13 rebounds, almost five assists. Um, he had very good size, very solid rebounder, uh, very polished offensive skill set also, shot 41% from beyond the arc this past season. Um, good passer, uh, can finish around the rim, can finish on the perimeter. Um, 6'9", 6'10", also very thick, very big, not just tall, but a bit, very big bodies like some of those guys we saw in the past for Pitt. Um, he needs to work on his conditioning a little bit, but uh, he's very, just very good skill set. He'll be able to contribute. You've got other guys. I can get into detail on them. You've got Femi Odukale, guard from Brooklyn. Will Jeffries was obviously a huge pickup. And then you've got Noah Collier and Max Madison. 
And those guys, they're all one thing in common with them. They all have they they're all very good athletes, they, and they all have very good size. And that's one thing Jeff Cable's trying to bring in. Go ahead, Scott. Now, I, I gotta tell you, um, I personally think Cable's the right guy. There's no, there's no question he's the right guy in the right situation. But Greg, first of all, Pitt Stadium was falling apart. So I understand. I, what I, 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 I get it. I, I get it. I, I, yeah, I know. I would see because it was me. I'd have torn down the pit stadium and built a new stadium in the same spot, but that that's, that's, that's neither here nor there, or you know what, build a dome stadium and play basketball and football in it, you know, but. Well, no, I'm, I, I just had, I had a needle you a little bit there about that. Uh, I will tell you this. Well, well the, the program's a good hands of capable. He's bringing the right kids in. He knows that mentality. He knows the ACC mentality. Stalin's killed them. I mean, I, I know he's a, a good human being and everything, but he just set that program back. What was it? I think 20, 24 and 41. I mean, he just really did not do anything for that program. It was a bad hire at the time. It was a rushed hire at the time, and they're paying for it now. But I do think Capel's the right guy to turn this around. I do. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And that's that's one thing I mean I think people are failing to realize is how low Kevin Stallings put this program. I mean, it's very tough for Jeff Cable to recruit, especially right after Kevin Stallings left. I mean, the guy went 0 18. He did not win a single game in ACC play. And statistically, the team was one of the worst ACC teams of all time. And it's so hard to come back from that. Yeah. It is it is yeah. so hard. And I, Jeff Cable, I agree, is the right guy for the job. I mean, he's done a great job bringing in his guys who fit the culture that he's trying to build. And I think it's just a matter of time before you can get them to the, into the tournament and then begin competing in the tournament. What do you think about what, what, what do you think about Jeffress coming out of Erie, Pennsylvania? That was, a, that was a big deal when he landed him too. Yeah. Jeffress, I didn't, I didn't mention him as much. I went into detail on Hugh. Jeffrey is also a very solid pickup. Um, his potential is off the charts. Very young. He's only 16. He turned 17, I believe, this June. Yep. Had a huge junior season at um, Erie McDowell, 24 points, nine rebounds. He's the do-it-all. He's what I like to refer to as a dual forward. Um, he's So he's a guy who can play the three, play the four. Might also slide over to the two at times. Um, he can rebound. Very good length. Very solid athleticism. Guard multiple positions. Um, offensively, still developing his skill set. He's a good pull-up jumper. He's good around the basket, can finish around the basket on offensive rebounds and off dishes. He's still improving his three-point shot. It's Mechanically, it's pretty good. It should continue to get better. And, I mean, this is a kid. I mean, you love his potential. Uh, you love what he can do now. You love his athleticism, his length, his size. And this is a kid who he really – I've spoken to some coaches from the Pittsburgh area, and they believe this kid could – compete in the NBA one day. Man, that's high praise. So going into this year, you know, a couple of names that stand out that are returning. Of course, uh, Johnson, uh, Champagne, um, and then with these these new recruits coming in, uh, you know, Pitt had, you know, I, I, Pitt kind of, they did not exceed my expectations. They, that, that was kind of what I expected from this Pitt team last year um you know they did get an acc tournament win um you know they beat north carolina twice but north carolina had a down year but anytime you can go into chapel hill and win that's you know they're still a blue blood program so you 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 take the win and and you know you build off of things like that 
what are your expectations going into next basketball season for Pitt? My expectation would probably be to finish 500 in the ACC and make the NIT come to play. Okay. I mean, the ACC, it will, I don't think it'll be to go back to being the best conference in college basketball. I don't think it'll, but I don't think it will be as down as it was this year either. I mean, the ACC was pretty down this year. They only had four teams projected to get into the tournament. But I think Jeff Capel in year three, he's got all of his guys. He's got Johnson returning. He's got Champagne returning. He's got Tony returning. He's got the addition of Ethiel Horton, the transfer from Delaware. And I think Pitt should be able to make an IT town of these new guys, including Ithiel Horton. Yeah. Would you be shocked if they snuck into the tournament? I would not be shocked at all. I mean, I think they have the potential to sneak into the tournament. I just, I think it's it's not unrealistic to expect them to go to the NCAA tournament. I think a lot of it hinges, number one, how will Xavier Johnson fit with Ithiel Horton? I mean, they're both talented guys, especially Johnson. I think it's a much better fit than with McGowan's. And number two is what can you get in the front court? Uh, will you be able to rebound defensively? Will, what will Terrell Brown give you? What will Koulibaly give you? And lastly, um, what's your depth going to be? I mean, last year, Pitt had really no depth. Gerald Drumgold didn't provide much. Ryan Murphy off the bench, he's gone. You've got the addition of Femi Odukale in the backcourt. Um, you've got Jeffries coming off the bench, Collier. And it's really what those guys can provide in, in those that grueling stretch in the ACC when you need guys, when you need talented guys coming off the bench. Because yep. you don't want Johnson and Champagne and Tony to have to play 35, 40 minutes a night. Yep. Go ahead, Scott. So, Jordan, let me put you on the spot. I mean, let's, let's imagine you've got a crystal ball in front of you right now. <laughs> um, if you look at a five-year window, five-year window, which program is going to have the most success, the basketball program or the football program? So are we talking just one successful year or overall in the next five years? We're talking about overall in the next five years. I mean, anybody can hit it one year. We're talking about it five years from now, which program is going to be where they want to be? Has the best chance? Um, I think in five years – I'm going to have to go with the basketball program. I mean, well, first of all, it's just easier to get to that championship level in basketball. I mean, in college football, you have the same six teams competing for the college football playoff every year. But in basketball, I mean, I think Jeff Cable, realistically, he can take Pitt to a Final Four. I mean, will he? Maybe. Probably not. But it's unlike in football where you've got the same five, six teams competing for a playoff spot every year. Yeah. I think it'll be easier for the basketball team to achieve the highest level of success, which is a final four. Yep. So Excellent. Thank as, you. As we wrap things, as we start to wrap things up here, Jordan, uh, I want to talk about the pit athletic uh, department in general. I'm, I've been pretty impressed with what Heather like has done uh, since she's come in as the athletic director. I think Scott Barnes was a disaster. He was a complete disaster. And Ran out of town as fast as he could. I actually think she's done a really solid job so far. And she didn't, you know, she didn't tolerate mediocrity in the basketball program and made a change, was able to get the buyout. Um, But I look at the other sports, the non-revenue sports, the success of the women's volleyball program this past year. You know, they were a top 10 uh, volleyball team. The 
the city of Pittsburgh was hosting the, you know, hosted the NCAA volleyball championships, women's volleyball championships this year. I had the pleasure of going to the championship game and watch Stanford win the, win the championship. It was really exciting stuff. You know, the, the wrestling program had a great year. Men's baseball and women's softball have had some success in the ACC. Um, you know, there's, there's been, you, you've heard about these other sports and now they're, they're, they've built most of, and they're still building this incredible athletics complex at the top of the hill. What are your thoughts on what uh, Heather Like has done since she's gotten to Pitt? Well, Heather Like, I mean, she's done, she's done some great things as the athletic director. Um, I mean, first of all, the headline hiring of Jeff Capel was just an incredible hire to rebuild, to rebuild and rejuvenate the Pitt basketball program to what it to try and rejuvenate it to what it once was as a winning program and with a storied pretty recent history um and i mean she's done some great things with the other sports too and i hate to say it but i mean you you were pretty critical of scott barnes but i mean you have to give him a little bit of credit i do scott barnes brought in I dan do. fisher I have, I have the to women's this. volleyball coach he okay. brought in okay uh, okay he brought in jay vidovich the men's soccer coach i mean okay. the hiring of kevin stallings was a disaster which I mean, you've got you've got to criticize him for that one. But I mean, he brought in some good guys and some good coaches, and Heather Like just continues to build on what he built. I mean, she has vision for this athletic department. The Victory Heights project is huge. It'll make it so much easier for those coaches to recruit and bring in quality talent once you're improving those facilities. And I think one thing Heather Like has, which she's shown, she's a vision. She's not okay with going six and six, seven and five in football every year. She wants to compete for ACC championships. She's not okay with making the NCAA or the NIT every year, just being a content borderline NCAA or NIT team. She wants to compete for Final Fours. She is not okay with mediocrity, and I think she's shown that in the investment she's made in in all the programs across all the sports. Um, she cut women's tennis for women's lacrosse, which I think was a great move showing that, which is another example of her vision, lacrosse, which is one of the fastest growing sports in the country right now, especially among, um, especially among girls and women. And I think just her vision has really transformed the pit athletic department. I mean, she did some great upgrades to the Peterson event center. She, this victory Heights project is awesome. I mean, what she's doing to this facilities for the volleyball teams, the gymnastics, wrestling and she's continued to improve the peterson sports complex with the baseball softball and soccer teams and i think her vision is something that will really pay dividends for pit athletics and i think she's trying to build a program with comprehensive excellence across the board and something else too that i think she's trying to build is you know the reinstatement of the kellers the pit script the brand you know brit like really solidifying that brand has a lot. I mean, when they when they released the pit uniform, the football uniforms, Twitter went crazy. Like across the country went crazy because they wanted to see the that that uniform back, those colors back, and and with the marketing and the 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 merchandise and things like that, she's also the driving force behind that brand. And let's face it, we're not we're not playing. Bino Cook football from the 1950s and 60s anymore. This is a big part. Ask the Oregon Ducks. 
a big part of college football and getting recruits in can is actually part of it is your brand. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, those uniforms, they're guarded across the, across the country as one of the, some of the best uniforms in college football. I mean, rightfully so. They're awesome uniforms. And I think it doesn't just speak to what you're trying to build in football, but across the whole athletic department, like I was talking about, to build a comprehensive excellence. But she wants to build a brand of winning throughout the whole athletic department and to build a unified brand of comprehensive excellence that starts with the colors. I mean, mm-hmm. before that you had a million different colors, a million different logos, a million different variations across the whole athletic department. Yep. She's trying to build one thing. She's trying to build a brand across all sports, a national brand, also one that's renowned in the city of Pittsburgh and the colors and that identity is just the first step. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's apparent, Jordan. I mean, it's apparent and wh- whether it's, whether it's a, a family or it's business or sports, culture is so important and i think that's what she's bringing you know a culture of winning she's establishing that again with a rich history within the university of pittsburgh if you look at some of the comments of some of the recruits that are coming in um whether it be basketball or football it's culture they're buying into the culture and i and i and i think you can feel that and i think some of that starts with her so i think that once you have that culture right and it becomes you know a culture of winning and the sky's the limit. I think she's establishing that. And she's letting those coaches establish that on their own, too. Yeah, I mean, with the addition, specifically of Jeff Capel, that's something he's something that's super important to him, and it's super important to win in college basketball is to have a culture. And that's what he's trying to establish, bringing in these recruits. Um, just to mention a few more of them, if I could. Uh, go go to- yeah, it seems like we lost. Some no, there you are. Go ahead. Hey, hey, Jordan, could you start over with that? We lost you there for a um, second. Go ahead. All right. So Jeff Capel, I mean, just building that culture, he's bringing in some big-time recruits, Um, just to name a few of them. Femi Udukale, guard from Brooklyn, 6'5", 6'11", wingspan, good, very good length, good athleticism, good vision also, averaged 17.5 points per game, near triple-double, 17.5 points, eight rebounds, nine assists this past year in prep school on almost – 40% from three. Uh, we talked about Will Jeffries. The last two guys, uh, Noah Collier, a 6'9 forward out of West Town School in Pennsylvania. Long, athletic, can run the floor, um, can guard multiple multiple positions. I mean, he still needs to polish that skill set, but he's got ACC athleticism and length. And then lastly, Max Madison. It's more of a developmental big. He's good size, good length, a good shot blocker already. He reminds me some of actually Gary McGee, former pit center. Okay. And I think all these guys are huge in establishing the culture that he's trying to build. Yep. I agree. And it's gotta be something about the culture. And I even, I was tickled when last year during Halloween, when uh, Pitt showed up on ESPN and a couple other national platforms, I think they had one of the members of the training staff dress up in that uh, Pitt football uniform statue in the, uh, in, in the offices there. And as some of the players walked by, it wasn't a statue. He'd jump at them and, watching them get scared and, and it, hey, that's, you know, some people might think that's silly, but that's important. And it, you know, people see that and it's like, Oh, that's pit. And Hey, it's the, uh, it's the uniforms. It's those, those great looking colors that they have. It's all important. And, and, you know, with the coaching staffs and the athletic, the athletic director, I really think they're moving in the right direction. So uh, Jordan, tell, tell everybody where, again, where they can, where they can see your stuff, how they can get a hold of you, and uh, information about your podcast. 
So you can find me on Twitter at Pitt underscore presence. Um, I tweet out the podcast all the th- all the time. It gets published every Thursday. Uh, last week we had on Gilbert Brown. This week we're going to have on Jerron Brown as a guest. Um, we've had him some great guests in the past, Tyler Palco, Doran Dickerson. So go check me out on Twitter and then go check out the podcast. No, that's great, Jordan. And uh, Scott, any anything, uh, any, any uh, last questions or last comments before we wrap up? Yeah, you know, Jordan, nothing but impressed with your knowledge, man. Not, not nothing with this, but impressed with your 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 commitment uh, to learning and growing because um, your knowledge base is incredible, and we appreciate uh, you sharing that with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hey, Jordan, thanks so much, and uh, hey, thank you to everybody out there for listening to the. Uh, basement sports podcast we will catch you in a couple of days when the whole panel will be here thanks bye-bye